welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. I assume your intro joke that you forgot to wrote down, write down was something about me and Tampa and maybe manatees, rhinocera. Well, so so here's what's funny about that. It, I think it was related to some of what you had been posting uh, at the Tampa Zoo this week. But when I walked through the door today and you said, I've got your stick. And then and I was like, oh, okay. And you're like, no, 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 I've got your stick. And you just came back from Florida. And all I could think about was what I did to you after I came back from Florida. I thought I was in for something. But luckily, it's something you bought a full box of. So I know we're in for a treat. Well, as a gentleman and a scholar. So quick recap <laughs> of the trip to Tampa. Um, started out on 7th Avenue, going to the different shops, smoking cigars in front of each shop, drinking a little coffee. Then we went to Cathedral Cigars. Which is the church we've been so talking about. I'm so jealous that you got to see that place. It looked a lot different from your pictures versus what we had seen. It is. It's the wood. I'm interested to see how it holds up because the woodwork in there is outstanding. Yeah. And they're, and their humidor, their humidor is probably 1,500 square foot. They got a giant humidor. Wow. Um, and they got Dominican. I smoked the Pope, which is a Dominican house blend. Because when I go somewhere like that, I always right. want to smoke the house blend. They've only been open about two months, so you can tell they're still kind of ramping up and getting everything together. But the wood, the amount of woodwork and craftsmanship in that place is out of this world. I don't know how they're going to maintenance it all. There's so, you know, because when I see that much woodwork, because you know, I said I wanted to sniff the stones. All the stones are covered in wood. Oh, really? I, there was just no. Um, I don't know how they're going to keep it maintenance. And they made the whole bar ledger out of cigars, and I mean, it's a Fuente lounge, and okay, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about when they think about how beautiful wood is as a wall covering. As a, is that it? It's not like drywall. It requires maintenance. Right. It will collect dust. Yeah. All of those nooks and crannies and cuts and everything. But so I'm really excited for you to smoke this cigar. So we're gonna get our cigar lit because I was really happy. And especially after what you did to me with the key lime cigar, I'm glad that I was able to to, to be the bigger man and bring you a good cigar. <laughs> so um, Saturday before we left the for um, the airport, we just had them drop us off at Davidoff Geneva, which is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable operation Bor- Borowitz has got down there. It's where we went and seen Dennis Prager. Right. And we were sitting there, and very rarely does this happen. I got up. They were having a Hooten Young event there. And I got up, and I said, well, I'll try one. And I grabbed a Hooten Young 2020, lit it, smoked it, walked directly up to the bar and bought a box. Wow. That, that does good. not happen often for you. No. No. Usually I have a critical eye toward that. But no, this was. And by the way, let me tell you how good the people at Corona Cigars are. They're just good folks. So since they were having the event, I got a free bottle of whiskey with my box purchase. Well, I'm flying home. I don't have a check bag. All I've got is my little floppy carry-on, which, you know, if you put that, if you check that, they're going to fling it, like, try to hit the airplane while it's taking off. Right. And I I had no way to protect this bottle of whiskey, and I didn't want this bottle of whiskey to bust inside of all of my stuff. So I said, well, I don't know. So my wife calls Corona, the head office, and they said, tell them put it behind the bar when the guy shows up Wednesday with the truck. He'll pick it up. We'll ship it to you free of charge. Wow, that's awesome. That, that's just good service. That's it just, is. That's just good people. I mean, can't say enough. Everybody buy a box of cigars from Corona Cigar because they are absolutely the best people in the world. Yeah, they're on top of it. So this Hooten Young 2020, 
It's a San Andreas Maduro wrapper, Lajero tobacco from Nicaragua and Esteli. So Hoot and Young is some veterans that decided it was it was very therapeutic. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Yeah, that Wait smells you, amazing. <laughs> Wait till you smoke it. Um, there were some veterans, and they decided they it made them feel good to sit around and tell stories and talk about their comrades that passed, and they noticed that a little whiskey and a cigar by a campfire late at night made those stories easier to share, and that's so they invented Hoot and Young whiskey, and what's whiskey without a cigar? Oh, okay. And they created Hoot and Young cigars, and this is the 2020. This is the Maduro version. And is it just one release a year kind of thing? Is that no? It's a regular production cigar. Okay. And all, but um, just absolutely beautiful smoke. I God, mean, the draw on that is perfect. The draw is great. That feel how oily that San yeah. Andreas wrapper is. Not real toothy, but not not sand finished. Yeah, that's just a absolute just wonderful on the cold stick. draw alone. That's awesome. Yeah, I was so I was sitting there, and um, they make some. So I've had to actually revise my theory on drinks and cigars after going to Davidoff Geneva because they serve high end cocktails there. Right. And one of the best old fashions I ever had in my life. Okay, their mojito was perfect. You know, mojitos—they'll get—they got you got to have good rum. When they got popular about twenty years ago, ten years ago, whatever it was, it, everybody started making one, and no one made a good one. It's hard to find a good mojito. My, I think they go crazy with the mint leaves. Mm-hmm. A bushel of mint leaves must be like a dollar, and everybody seems to go crazy with the mint leaves. And I'm not a big mint fan. Right. And uh, But they had the perfect amount of mint leaves in there. They had the perfect amount of rum. All of the recipe was perfect. Served to you in a beautiful glass by a pretty lady. You know, it was just an absolute joy. And they do, they do cigars and cocktails better at that shop than any shop I've ever been to in my life. That's a, you, you feel odd having a cigar there and not having a cocktail. I wonder I wonder how you would feel about the Red Phone Booth and places like that then because that's kind of their thing is the craft cocktail, the you know you're going to pay $14 for it, but it's going to be all, you know, handmade ingredients, high quality stuff. I feel like if that's what you're looking for, I, th- I think you could really, you know, find a place for yourself in in, in a place like that. Well, but now I don't want I don't want a bespoke fancy cocktail. Take the recipe, do it traditional, and just do it well. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's so. I can't speak to Red Phone Booth, but but uh, the place I used to go in Atlanta, Prohibition, was that way. They made whiskey sours. They made uh, old fashions. They made you know uh, drinks, uh, classic drinks with classic recipes, but good ingredients. Yeah, but as long as done it's simply, cool. done perfectly. Yeah, you know, they're old-fashioned. They used Buffalo Trace bourbon. They mm-hmm. used good bourbon in their old-fashioned. They used good rum in their uh, mojito. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's and it kind of made me change my thoughts a little bit on when it comes time to launch my own cigar lounge. Being on vacation may have helped. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't be around here and drinking a mojito at 10 in the morning. Right. <laughs> and what uh, would people think? Yeah, what, 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 would the, what would my pastor think? But... <laughs> But very good stuff. But, yeah, this cigar was just perfect that day, and I've smoked one since then, and it's been awesome, and they just keep getting better. And I'm, I'm interested to see what your final judgment will be. 
And I also got us some bandoleros for next week. Oh, nice. Because they had the five-pack of bandoleros at a bargain. All right. So I ended up getting some of those for next week, but I wanted you to have the Hootin' Young this well, week. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, and, and this, is, this is quite good. I'm, I'm very impressed, especially knowing the background of how this cigar kind of came to fruition, about it not necessarily being, you know, industry uh, royalty or or tenured people in the industry, you know, so to kind of come in as a, as a freshman cigar company and, and pull out, pull off something that's this good. That's impressive. Well, I'll guarantee you, you won't be surprised. Master cigar blender, blender, Azarius Mustafa Cordoba of Cordoba oh, and Morales. Morales. So uh, that, yeah. that answers about 20 of the questions all at once. Exactly. <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, let's catch our first article. Let's do it. Oh, wait, no. Before we catch our first article. Oh, that's article. right. Your, your strongly worded leather. You leather. Know, <laughs> leather. A couple of weeks ago, we had a discussion on the podcast about sternly worded letters. I have sent a sternly worded letter to Discovery Plus. <laughs> so I watch all of these Secret Life of the Zoo, Zoo Tampa, Zoo San Diego, Bronx Zoo, all these zoo shows. I love them. Right. And anybody that follows me on Facebook knows I love the zoo. We was at the Tampa Zoo while we were down there and took a million pictures and had a lot of fun. Um, and the, so the formula for these zoo shows are so easy. So you get a really cute animal mm-hmm. that everybody will say ooh and ah. You get you an animal in distress so that you can see how much the keepers care and how hard they work to give a mammogram to a beluga whale. <laughs> and you get, um, you get two animals that need to mate. And all. So I'm watching Secret Life of the Zoo, this English zoo, and I think I'm going to get one of life's great mysteries solved. The two animals that needed to mate happen to be porcupines. I've you always, have always wondered what that, how that works. I've always wanted to know how to porcupine. I mean, does, does he roll her over? When he's done, <laughs> is she stuck to the ground? Does he have to get a pry bar? Do they take their coats off? What? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, in, in my vision, the, he's like behind her and he waves his hands and the quills part to the Valley of the Golden No-No. I mean, all of these things are <laughs> absolute great opportunities <laughs> for, the, for, these an, for this show. Now, this show has showed me I've seen aardvark sex, which I never thought I wanted to. Beaver sex, which I really didn't, was really something different than what I thought it would be. Cheetah was over in a heartbeat. Dingo, for some reason, we went all the way from aardvark to zebra, but went straight from ostrich to quail and skipped porcupine. (laughs) All they did is come on and say, hey, the porcupine's pregnant now. Now, who is producing this that they did not show us? I mean, I'm not looking for porcupine, but I really would like to know. Just, just as a student of physics, I need to know how this works. Do you think the, the cameraman who was on night shift for that got fired after he fell asleep and didn't record it happen? I would fire him, I, you know, especially if it's magical like with the, the right. staff and all. <laughs> I would totally fire him. <laughs> they both levitate. <laughs> well, at some point, I think the porcupine, the male porcupine just puts a cigar in his mouth and <laughs> and takes it. <laughs> Says, okay, this, I know this is going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it in the morning, boys. <laughs> But I, I just can't believe Discovery Plus would do such a thing to me. That's hysterical. Why, 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 did, that, why did I have to see Aardvarks do it? You know, so, you know, if they had never shown two animals in the act, 
it would but, be different. Yes, but we we like I said, Aardvark to zebra. We went all the way through the alphabet, and for some reason, they skipped porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you feel better getting that off your chest? I, I do. I feel I feel much better. I hope everybody else out there now understands that what it's like to live with me. Because <laughs> my wife came through the house as I was screaming, "Why aren't they letting porcupines?" I didn't say make love. <laughs> and also, anyway, so now everybody knows what it's like to live with me. Agonorsa sues Mombacho Cigars over trademark. So Agonorsa Leaf has had cigars named Mombacho, and then Mombacho is a whole cigar line. Right. Uh, wow, there's four helicopters and a plane just nearly hit each other right above the shot. <laughs> that would have been an interesting pod. That would have been. <laughs> but, um, so, the Agnor Salif, they had their first copyright in 2006, and then they got it freshened up in 2012. And um, followed by the five years selling two boxes in 14, I'm just skimmed the article. And uh, what do you take away from this article? Why is Agnor Salif's panties in a bunch? Well, I think, you know, I don't know... I, you know, I don't know the history of the word mambacho to know if it's... It's a volcano in Nicaragua that's extinct and has not erupted in human in the time of human history. Okay. So it's kind of a, a landmark, if you will. Right. You know, so there so is... Could, if I called a cigar the Rushmore, could ag, could somebody at Mount Rushmore sue me? Uh, that... Hmm. Well, this is what makes it tricky is because I don't know... I guess this is being heard in a U.S. court... Um, there is there is some some legal gray area as I understand it. Yes, it is the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. As I understand it, there is some gray area about trademarking names of of public landmarks. So yeah, I think you'd have a hard time getting the trademark for Rushmore because it's a widely understood. You know, that would be like trademarking the word cheese, right? That being said, this is not a U.S. landmark. And so either the Patent Office, Patent and Trademark Office, didn't know that it was a landmark in Nicaragua uh, or, or just didn't care. And so they, off, they issued the trademark. And I think, I think Aganorsa really has a leg to stand on here is that they have a trademark. It was properly, they've been properly using and defending it. So... I mean, it, it stands to read. It's it's definitely the not the silliest trademark uh, lawsuit in the cigar industry I've seen. Well, it's in, so if you go below the surface, if we take a cut off the top and we go down below the surface of this, this is almost always the result of somebody being a jerk. I'm sure Agnor Salif called said, "Hey, by the way, before you launch Mombacho cigars." Uh, you should know we have a cigar called Mamacho, and we, we don't really want you to use that name. What do we need to do? Now, a smart businessman would say, well, we'll choose a new name, or, hey, what can we work out? Can we can yeah. we team up? Can we partner? Y'all grow some of the greatest tobacco in the world. What can we do to make this work for everybody? But I guarantee you somebody said, oh, yeah, prove it. Well, and I also, and, and, and I, I tend to think you're right on this based on the fact that in 2016, I think it, yes, um, Mombacho Cigars actually asked the the U.S. Uh, Patent and Trademark Office to cancel their trademark 
on the grounds that they weren't using it. This is where I say, you know, defended. So there's, um, my brother-in-law's a, a intellectual property attorney. And so I kind of hear some of these things tangentially. So I know just enough to be dangerous. But essentially, with it, where trade, where patents run out, trademarks don't as long as you can prove that you're still using it. And so their argument was that Aganorsa, or Tropical in this case, it was the parent, um, they, that they're not using it. And so Tropical said, nope, here are sales of cigars bearing the Macho name. And, like, we're clearly still using it. They, they really didn't have a case. But the fact that they went to the, the fact that Mombacho went to the, to, took the step of actually contacting the, the Patent and Trademark Office saying, hey, we want to call our cigars this thing that they have an existing trademark. So just go ahead and cancel it for us. Tells me that they're probably weren't interested in dealing in good faith from the very beginning. Yeah, the the whole thing seems fishy. Seems to me, seems to me that there's some fishiness and all. And I, I try not to indulge my inner conspiracy theorists too much. Bogus. <laughs> I, I don't overindulge him. He. <laughs> But some things make you say that. For instance, La Gloria Cubana Media Tempo coming in May. <laughs> and um, the media, so Media Tempo Tobacco. I've heard of Media Tempo Tobacco. And it's the top of some Connecticut Habano plants that sprout into two leaves. Well, in, in this case, it was a Connecticut Habano. Right. It's not always. Yeah, a sprouting of two leaves that sometimes grows atop a tobacco plant. Not all plants have. Some estimate. Some farms have estimated that only one ten per, one in ten plant, plants produce these top leaves. And so now the Glory Cubana is saying, "Hey, we have harvested these leaves that suspiciously look like every other leaf that comes off the plant, and we have curated these leaves that only happens one in ten. So we're only getting one tenth of a crop." And we're going to make a media tempo cigar for y'all to enjoy. Now, I will say they're not pricing them like it's a one in every ten plant cigar. They're six ninety nine, <laughs> seven ninety nine each. I'm okay with that. And La Gloria Cubano is good, but is this gimmick? Are we being gimmicked here? I don't think so. No, I, I don't. I think you know we already have names for different leaves based on when they where they are on the plant and when they're harvested and things like that. I don't think it's outrageous to think that if you have an extra sprouting of leaves on a given plant that doesn't always happen that that there would be a name for that. I but agriculturally speaking, if I go out and my peach tree this time of year is loaded down with a million little peaches, I pull half of them off so that I get bigger, fuller, better peaches. So would it not agriculturally be the opposite? If it splits off into two leaves, would it not be less good tobacco? Uh, not necessarily, because we know that Lajero tobacco tends to be smaller. Now, for yours and my palate, that's a better leaf than, say, Viso or Seco. But it's smaller. You know, it, but it's, but it's, I, I think it really depends. So I don't think you can say it's better or worse based on size because I, take strawberries as a perfect example. The big, juicy, fat strawberries, I'm guessing, are the ones that you really like. The, uh, the yeah. sweet, you don't like strawberries. That I'm much. not a big strawberry guy. But, you, you know, you're going to go for the one that looks right, like size, a, size a of knuckle. a monkey fist. Yeah. 
and 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 they're really sweet and juicy. I, on the other hand, tend to prefer the little bit smaller ones that are picked a little bit early because they're the ones that are tart. And I like that little bit of sour tartness. So it's it's the same thing here with anything agriculturally. The the smaller, the later sprouting are going to tend to have a bit more concentrated flavors. Oftentimes, um, I can't speak with any authority on Medio Tiempo specifically. Um, the, the thing that I'm a little confused about is I, I feel like this probably has to come from when in the season the plant comes to maturity and gets harvested because you and I both know that there has been so much selective breeding and cross-pollination and hybridization between tobacco plants that if this was really that sought after, I feel like they would have crossbred a all of their plants to produce these two leaves at the top of the well, you know, you can go to the grocery store and you can buy a dozen eggs of double yolk. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not an egg guy, but you can buy a double, dozen eggs of double yolk if, well, you, if you're so inclined. I'm familiar with the concept of eggs. Yeah, the little white round, little yeah. brown round. Comes out of a chicken. <laughs> oh, I watched two of them on Discovery Plus making those. <laughs> but, but no porcupines. Do, do porcupines lay eggs? I don't know. Gonna... Discovery Plus is not. <laughs> I blame you because you're the one that told me how good Discovery Plus was to get it. And I had no idea it would cause so much trauma in my life. <laughs> I'll, 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 mea culpa. <laughs> you'll, you'll shoulder the burden? I'll shoulder that burden. <laughs> but anyway, so the back to the cigar. The cigar is um, harvested from the top of Connecticut Habano. Includes tobacco from Honduras and Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, all held together by a Connecticut broadleaf binder and Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. Made in the Dominican Republic at the El Credito area of the General Dominical Factory. And hey, everybody that ever writes a cigar article from here for, here forward, can we not make it that you tell us the blender's name? I would like to know you, the blender's you're name. You're really digging on that little piece of trivia, aren't you? I, I am. I really enjoy knowing the name of my blender. I, just, do, I do too. It, to me, it, it may be just it a cigar personalizes it about a bit. Yeah. Well, and you can start kind of picking out who you like and who you don't like and who does what you enjoy. So where were you going with your double yolk thing? Well, the, you, you were speaking of genetic modification. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. If we can make double yolk eggs, we can make we can make media tempo tobacco in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. Seems to me like a short putt. Seems to me like it would be much harder to make a double yolk egg than a media tempo tobacco. Fair enough. Yeah, you just got derailed by the Discovery Plus thing in the middle of that thought. I wanted to make yeah. sure you got a chance to finish it. Pre- appreciate you circling me back around. <laughs> this ad- highly agitated state is hard for me to stay focused. And all, but I am looking forward to it. I'll smoke it. The wrapper looks nice. I like Ecuadorian Sumatra. I like Dominican Republic tobacco. I mean, they they say it was blended to be medium bodied, which these days fits yours and my profile pretty well, especially for coming into the warmer months. So. Um, does it say, yeah, it's going to be here by May 4th, so we only have a couple of weeks to wait before we see it. So to touch on one more thing before the break, Drew Estate's barn smoker events returning for 2021. So they've decided to run the um, Connecticut, Kentucky, and Florida barn smokers this year. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to set out a year. So I was reading this article trying to fit, because you told me that, and I'm trying to figure out why. If there's anything in the article that gives that away, or if there's something else. Jonathan Drew makes a great cigar. 
Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Drew has accomplished a lot of things in his life. And I, and I don't want to say anything disparaging about him. But he seems to me like there's going to be a lot of mask-wearing, six-foot-apart, um, overly over-safety, safetified stuff happening at this because yeah. of just who he is. I figured that was it. Yeah. So, well, because they even say that they're splitting it into two days. It's usually a one-day event. They're splitting it into two days so that they can sell the same number of tickets but reduce the number of people on the farms and each day. Yeah, so it's starting, it feels to me like there may be, you know. Except that there can't be that much mask wearing enforced if they allow you to smoke the whole time. That's true. Well, you know, when we were in Tampa, we were going to go to the Hard Rock Friday night and gamble. At the casino, and I read the restriction. You got to wear a mask all the time, and they got the pods. And the and I told Glenn, I said, let's just go back to Davidoff, Geneva. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, I'm not going to go waste my money at the casino when I'm not going to enjoy it, and I'm not going to enjoy it sitting in my own little pod wearing a mask, saying "huh" every time the dealer throws me a card because I can't hear a word they say. Right. So, I don't understand the purpose of the mask and the pod. See, I don't. I don't understand why you have the barrier between the dealer. You have the pod, and then you're wearing a mask. Okay, yeah. how how safe, you know. Yeah, one, one of those should be enough. Right. Yeah. And I'll even take, if the dealer needs to wear a mask and be behind a piece of plexiglass to protect them from me, I'll take my chances with the people around me. Yeah. That, that, that's the that's the contract you sign when you walk through the doors. It's, it's largely becoming that way in my life, because I think now we're at the point that, okay, everybody knows the risks, everybody knows the vaccine, Everybody should be allowed to take their own chances that they see fit. Yeah, because at this point, at least in the state of Tennessee, everyone's 16 and older, just find an appointment, go get it. Right. All you have to do is go get it. Yeah. And also, it's really, um, it's really ridiculous to me that they, and, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to do it the way that you should. I'm going to vote with my money. Yeah. Hard Rock Casino, you lost three or $400 that I would have spent gambling there that night. Jeff Borowitz, you got it. You gained it. Congratulations. Yeah. And I got a great box of cigars out of it. Exactly. It is a great... We got to step away for a break, but man, I am thoroughly enjoying this. Well, when we get back, we're, we're going to talk a little deeper about it, because I'm getting a lot of notes that I really want to talk about in that cigar. And you're, for once, you're smoking yours faster than me. That may be because I was yelling That's about... because you've been ranting and raving the whole time. <laughs> I was yelling about porcupine. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back with that and more. Well, no, not more porcupine. We'll be back with uh, more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man with the soul of a poet, the hands of a master craftsman, and the libido of a Viking lost at sea for six months, Mr. Trey Dippin. <laughs> you, were, you were pleased with that one when you wrote it, I think. I, I was. I had to work hard on that one. <laughs> and I, you know, the, one of the things that's great about my life is the things that bring me joy. Mm-hmm. Now, all of my cigar, my cigar names, my exotic cigar right. names. By the way, I came up with Still Flamingos this week. I like Still Flamingos, the, all right. the partner to the Iron Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> but the, all of that stuff, just simple stuff in life brings me so much joy. You don't have to go out of your way to make me laugh. I really enjoy just living life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, 
Prager at his talk, and it was amazing. So Dennis Prager, if nobody out there's watched Prager U, watch it. Prager U's brilliant. He's very intelligent. He's conservative-ish, but he's not right-wing nut job conservative-ish. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I love how you point to me while you're in the middle of telling a story like I can take over. <laughs> you, you, were, you were supposed to take over. <laughs> and I'm sorry, the urge to cough came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, you know, and even it was amazing to me. There was probably 150 people there to see him there at the lounge, and they had broke off part of the lounge just for the Prager event. Yeah. And the number of people that had no desire that just gave their cigars away. By the way, Florida Sun Grown. I okay. didn't have to smoke a Davidoff. And the All guy right. next to me gave me his Florida Sun Grown as well, so Excellent. I got an extra one out of the bargain. And uh, But um, just getting to sit there and listen to him talk about because he's talking about understanding over acceptance. How much more important is it for you and I to understand why we're different than to accept one another's view as being superior? I was, and I think that's a really poignant thing to to, to be aware of. Uh, a couple of mutual friends of ours were embroiled in just a cataclysmic argument on Facebook today. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I mean, we're talking like 150 comments back and forth of just laying into each other, making fun of each other's appearance and like going, going far beyond the original topic, which is a different in political viewpoints, which if you find one person that agrees with you politically on every single thing, one of you is not being honest with each other or with themselves rather. You know, and here's the thing. I don't, I can appreciate your viewpoint, even if I don't agree with it. Yeah. As long as you, as long as you're willing to describe it to me, as long as I can understand what would, what's brought you to that viewpoint, I'm very happy to hear it. Well, you know, we were, we were taught at, at some point in, in our scholastic careers that opinions can't be wrong. Only facts can be wrong. And th- this is one of those things where, you know, I understand that that sounds backward. No, facts facts can be either right or wrong. Right. It, it's either it's either a true fact or or it's false. It's it's not a yeah, fact. Yeah, but it's if wrong. your opinion is two plus two equals five, you're wrong. Well, but that's not an opinion. Well, if you declared an opinion, it's an opinion. <laughs> well, that's a, you, you, a, an opinion is opinion is something that's not quantifiable. Math is quantifiable. Math has a right and a wrong answer. Opinions are, you know, uh, basically politics for, you know. But we were taught at a certain point that, that nobody's opinion can be wrong because it's subjective. And, and I think what we have forgotten, by and large, is that that's not ent- entirely true. Uh, an opinion based on false logic is therefore not a valid opinion. And, and I think we have, we have gotten away from being able to explore the, the basis for our viewpoints in comparison to the viewpoints of others. Well, I think what happens is someone's argument is proven to be weak, so they take the shortcut. Yeah. And they start resorting to the name-calling, to the, to the, to the mud-slinging, if you will, and all of that stuff, and I think that erodes the entire foundation of conversation. Yeah. And also, un- understanding your fellow man, whether you agree with him or not, is far more valuable. Right. And I'd rather understand somebody that I don't agree with than to convince them to come over to my side. 
Because it's not going to happen. No, you're not going to change that. You're not no. going to change people. People change themselves. All you do right. is provide the information. Right. And all. But anyway, so talk to me about the hoot and yum. Man, I am. It's true. I'm, I'm, I'm down to about the last third. You're still only about a halfway through. It's, it's interesting because it's, it's not overly complex, but it's not boring either. It's mellow. Yeah. It's, mellow it's is, subtle. Yeah, subtle, mellow. That's, that's the best way I have to describe it is it's just excellent, but it doesn't overwhelm you. Right. You could, uh, you could smoke one of these as a special occasion or on the golf course, and you would be happy either way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not going to overpower you in the cigar. And they're just, you know, just excellent cigars. You know, and they're not bad. They're 11, 12 bucks a piece. Yeah. And uh, they're not a bad price for the stick, for the for the quality of the stick. And, and that box is just beautiful. I yeah, mean, it is. I Very Art Deco. I, instead of just bringing the cigars, I had to bring the box for you and all, because they even have the little cover that covers mm-hmm. the cigars. I mean, just a, a beautiful packaging. Yeah. You know, we've talked about packaging and how important it is. They, they did it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just I think mellow is the way the best way for me to describe it is it's just it just keeps giving so gently, and also just absolutely wonderful cigar. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. completely agree. And also, all right, from bestgamingpro.com. Okay, the what? bastion of quality journalism. So when you're not even putting your name on the article because I wanted to find the name of the the person that wrote this or that half wrote this article Dino Das Dino Das is it down at the bottom it's in super small bottom. print yep oh yeah Dino Das tech specialist social media guru evil problem solver how do you solve problems in an evil manner <laughs> web enthusiast I'm hungry kill yourself yeah Web enthusiast, internet nerd, passionate gamer, Twitter buff. None of those are things that I would choose to describe myself. I, I would hate even to, if they were true of me. I would hate to hang out with this guy. Oh yeah. Can you imagine trying to hang out with this dude? It would be terrible. But anyway, okay. Let, let us present our case before we do this. So, top ten best ashtray covers. Covered 20, ashtrays. Cover, best ashtray with covers. Twenty twenty one. Number one and number two. So you explain this to me. I'll let you explain this to the public at large. So for those of you who are not internet nerds, that's the one thing I would say that I have in common with this joker is, so uh, there are a lot of websites out there whose sole purpose is to get ad revenue by click-throughs to Amazon and to whatever. So what they'll do is they'll just run an algorithm on some phrase and whatever it brings back, they just pop into an article and they don't curate it. They don't edit it. They don't even have any clue what they're talking about to begin with. And that's true here because the first two, so the first two items are uh, replacement vintage ashtray tele bridge cover, bridge protector for Fender vintage Telecaster. So if you've ever seen a Telecaster guitar, the 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 piece that covers where the strings attach to the body at the bottom is called an ashtray because it looks like a chrome ashtray out of a 60s Dodge Dart. So the first two items on this list 
are they have the word ashtray cover in the title, so whatever algorithm they use just happen to pull them, and they don't know enough about or care enough about what they're putting in their actual article to to realize the fact that this has nothing to do with what they're talking about. So number one and number two have nothing to do with any form of tobacco. No. <laughs> they're, they're actually an accessory for a guitar. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. And how do you get a job like that? <laughs> you, you build the website. Oh, okay. And I'll, but we'll skip those and we'll go on up. Um, let's just hit kind of a couple of... So well, first, first of all, let's talk about why you would want one. Why would you want an ashtray that has a cover on it? Okay, me personally, I don't believe in them. Okay, I don't like them. I have a, I've had a couple. The problem I have with covered ashtrays is you use it, and next time you open it, the smell is two thousand times worse than it would have been if you just rolled the window down. So that's what. That is why I don't keep an ashtray in my car. But I will. I will go a step further. I say I like the idea because of the fact that there is very little in this world that smells as good as someone smoking a good cigar. There is very little in this world that smells as bad as stale cigar smoke and ash. Oh, yeah. And so if you have a contained space where you do most of your smoking, I can see why you would want to cover the ashtray if you you don't have some place you can dump it right away. Let it cool off and then throw it away the next time. If you don't... I can can see where it would have a place. See, I I think... The only use I could ever see for an ashtray with a cover on it would be if you were in a windy condition. You know, if you were outside, if it was on the golf cart or something like that, yeah. and you didn't want it to blow your cigar off into the ground or something like that. But even then, you, a little creative use can take care of that. Yeah. Well, I also think, I, I don't know that I would want to be constantly taking the cover on and off while I'm actually using it. Um, but imagine that your back porch was actually fully enclosed. It was more of like a sunroom kind of thing. Sure. And so you didn't have... I mean, obviously, when you're done smoking your cigars, you're not going to take the ashes immediately in the house and dump them in the trash can. Oh, yeah. I don't even dump them in the house, period. Exactly. But you live in Maine, where it's 20 degrees below zero in December, and so you're not just going to walk outside as soon as you finish your cigar and dump them in the yard or whatever. So you put a cover on it, so that it so that it doesn't overwhelm the the space because it's an extension of your house, but then the next time you go out or the next time you're taking the trash out, you go dump it in and then you're on your merry way. Well, so I have a sealed steel ga- steel container on my back porch that my ashes always dump in. Right, garbage can that I always just dump everything in, and my porch is open. So, I'm, but if I had a sunroom type smoking area. I just go down to Lowe's and spend thirty nine ninety five and put you know a, a fart fan in there, just something to shoot the smell out. And I would still dump my ash into a sealed separate container. I would never want to open an ashtray and then start smoking again with the smell coming out of there of old ash and cigar butts. No, I get that. I'm suggesting you you uncover it to dump the ash after it after your butt has died and all of that stuff. But anyway, we're getting in the weeds on this, and it's not really important. But anyway, okay, so let's cover a couple of these. <laughs> and uh, now I did like number four, the Terrasaur windproof ashtray with flip lid for cigarette metal portable smoke. So this looks like a little globe with a phoenix on top of it. It's pretty cool. 
That, that's a pretty cool little look. That's something to be a conversation piece on the back porch. If you had an office in your house with like the mahogany desk and the built-in books, like this would be perfect on your desk. This is something you'd see like at Michael Jordan's house. Yeah. You know, if, if he handed you a cigar and you were sitting there closing a deal and, hey, where do I put my ash? And he flips the top Slides off. Slides out over. Very, very slick. And uh, which one was your favorite? Uh, six and seven I both liked. Seven, well... Seven and eight, probably more so. Um, we need to post a link to this so that people know what we're talking about. So this one is the is a ceramic ashtray uh, with a wooden lid, hexagon. It kind of looks like if if any of you um, have ever spent any time looking at like succulent plants, you know, when you're at Home Depot or whatever, like they always, at least lately, the trend has been in there in these sort of geometric ceramic pots. And that's what this looks like. Um, in fact, I happen to know someone who could probably make something like this for us. Um, oh yeah, she could. She could throw us one of these, couldn't she? Yeah, she could. Well, especially the one. Well, <laughs> so could she throw the lid too? She could. She's. She really could. I mean, she's super by, impressive. By, by the way, I love that the term for making pottery is throwing it. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, yeah. So the one that the hubar ceramic ashtray with lid is round. It looks like a teapot. Um, yeah, we could definitely make this happen, although I am a little <laughs> a little gun shy. So she's made me an ashtray before. Lovingly crafted Love, with her own hands. Handcrafted, like, as a gift, like, perfect. And I promptly broke it. <laughs> so well, I'm If a you little... didn't like it, you could have just told her. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> you didn't have to, to break the thing. I, I loved it. We, we had only been dating a short period of time at, at, at that point. And I think it was like a Valentine's Day or something like that. And not and helping bro- your case. I broke it in the. Well, I am because Valentine's Day doesn't really mean much to us. Like we, it, it often happens that we find something for the other person, and it happens to be around Valentine's Day. It's like this isn't a Valentine's Day gift, but I'm giving it to you anyway. It's kind of how that works in our house. But no, I broke it in the most trayway fashion. Is I was splitting wood on the back patio for the fire pit. And I swing the axe, and of course, this is sounding less and less like an accident. This is the no. guy that shot his wife because he was cleaning his gun. That's really what this is sounding like. No, uh, one of my favorite chores is splitting wood, especially if you've got nice like oak that splits. Your neighbors super easy. love you. Oh yeah, they do. Um, and but I always smoke a cigar while I'm. It's just kind of part of the ritual. I smoke a cigar, set okay, it down. Do you take your shirt off so you're so just make it as manly as possible? Actually, yes. <laughs> Shirtless in a kilt, smoking a cigar, swinging an axe. That's that's me in a nutshell. Okay, swinging an axe while wearing the kilt with your ashtray record. Not a good. Not a good idea. <laughs> it's a long handle axe. I'm safe. So we or a short handle gill. <laughs> so so anyway, so I've got the ashtray and the cigar sitting in it not too far away and I and I missed my mark split off a small chunk of the wood and it heads straight for the ashtray knocks it off the table shatters into a million pieces uh-huh. save the cigar <laughs> I'm sure that's what she asked was did you save the cigar it was actually <laughs> oh me that's, that's that's terrible but assuming assuming you know track record notwithstanding I might be able because I'm looking at it and it just it looks super cool but well, I am noticing about this list, all of these ashtrays are, are, are for cigarettes. 
you know, none of these have anything to do with cigars. So if, if we wanted one that would accommodate a cigar, we would have to have it custom made. Well, still the king of the ashtray is the stinky ashtray. Yes. It's deep. It holds four cigars. Your ash does not blow back out of it. And I think that when you're ashtray shopping, that's the number one thing. If you're looking for an outdoor ashtray, it's got to be a deep well. You know, the ones they got sitting outside of some lounges that we frequent are the little freebies that Oliva or um, La Aurora or somebody gives. And every time the breeze blows, whoever's downwind gets a face full of everybody else's ash. Right. So if you're going to have them on the outside, they need to be the stinkies. And all because a good deep ashtray. So when she's making them, tell them they need to be very deep. Um, they don't have to hold four cigars. I think four. Nobody. There's never been four guys share share an ashtray together outside. Usually, about a, a two seater is plenty. Well, especially because outside, you know, I I ash in my fire pit as often as I do in the ashtray. Right. And if we have more people out there, someone ends up just ashing on the patio, and I don't care. As long as they miss the rug and don't burn a hole in it, we're good. Yeah, the wind blows it off, you're yeah. done. It's, yeah. it's it's not that big a deal. And in your car, you know, they talk about having these in your car. I'd keep the window cracked if I'm going to smoke in my car. I wouldn't want my car that full of smoke. The, the only thing, so I, I am a big proponent of driving with the windows down. When the weather's nice... You know, I've got air conditioning. In fact, when I bought my car, you actually asked. You're like, did did that come with air conditioning? Because I've not seen you with the windows up the whole time. But so it does get a little tricky to ash at speed with all four windows down. So for that reason, I say not a bad idea to keep an ashtray in the car. But I agree with you. Dump it out every time you stop. So here's the technique. And I'm, I'm a fan of physics tonight. Here's the technique that I have always embraced. If I'm smoking, my window is down approximately three inches, and the window behind me is closed. And when I ash, I reach over my shoulder and catch it toward the back. Because the temptation, and you'll is, all is have to it, go forward into the corner. Yeah, is to go forward in the corner. Then it comes right back in. It blows right back down the neck of your shirt. Yeah. So always over your shoulder, out the side. Absolutely. That is a tried and true method. It's, a, it's what I do when I don't have all the windows down. When I have all the windows down, I have found the best method is to take a running start, if you will, with your arm and flick it almost like a trebuchet. And so you flick it right when you get to the opening of the window. And you've got to follow through. You've got to let your hand go all the way through the window. But it gives it just that extra velocity to clear. This is, this is why the six Hells Angels followed you home that night. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way for that. You know, if you just flick it casually and it hits the guy behind you on the motorcycle. you. But if you do the full wind up and pitch, he's got... Well, I justification to chase you home. I, I don't do that with the cigar itself, only with the ash. I will say, much like when I have to blow a snot rocket on the bicycle, I am very good to look behind me and see what other vehicles or or bicycles or whatever it may be are on the road around me before I actually ash. I do I do actually take that step. You're just wrecking that sexy cyclist image. <laughs> there is no such thing as a sexy cyclist image. But that's true. By the way. What happened to your agreement not to argue with people on Facebook? I seen you arguing with some poor woman on iHeart Spring Hill about cyclists and where they should ride and I, where they shouldn't. I get, well, well, when someone tries to tell me where and when I can use which roads, I get a little indignant. She didn't mention you by name. <laughs> no, so, so no, that's a fair point. That's a fair criticism. My, there are a few things that 
I will abandon. So arguing over politics online, uh, I won't do. Because like we talked about before, you're never going to change someone's mind. No. But when people start talking about cycling and their and cyclists, uh, legal right to use the road is something that I feel very passionately about. I have seen people get hit by cars. I have seen people's lives change over over accidents involving motorists not being respectful or or abiding the laws of shared use. It, it gets my dander up. And, and I, I have a really hard... You'll notice I didn't engage everyone. It was just her who made a specific point about the fact that we didn't belong on the roads, and that's just patently false. And you See, the first half of the show was you getting your ire up. Now you got me doing it. So, yes, you're right. I, I failed. I, I, I let her have it. But, and did it, did it feel any better afterwards? It did, did actually. Okay. I, I don't argue with people on Facebook. I, I've not done that ever. And I, well, I did once ten years ago, and it was so it was so unsatisfying that it was just like, nah, it's it's not worth the energy. And all, but anyway, okay. So speaking of arguing people, I, I want to start a new segment of the show. If anyone wants to know the worst thing that I will say to my fellow human being, if I ever look at you and say this phrase, it means we're done. Yeah, it means it's over. If I ever look at you and take a slow draw off my cigar and say, what's the rest of your life like? <laughs> that this is that important. What's the rest of your life like? That's, that's right up there with, you must be a lot of fun at parties. Yeah. 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 But, but, but just, I like the subtlety of what's the rest of your life like. Yeah. That in this moment, you're this person. How miserable must it be right. to be you the re- the other twenty three hours and thirty minutes of the day? Yeah. You're about as sharp as a marble, aren't you? Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> so. Hottie's Martini and Cigar Bar surprises neighbors after complaint. So this is out of Pittsburgh, Channel Eleven News. They're on your side. Um, in Carnegie, in Carnegie, in Pittsburgh, their neighbors complained about the cigar smoke and complained and complained and finally. Hotties did something about it. They closed and announced that in two weeks they would be reopening bigger and better than ever. <laughs> this is, you know, we, we talk about the, I don't think we talk about it on the show much, but the difference between having FU money and F me money. This is very much spending some FU money. Well, now they're putting in a balcony. Cigar smoke rises. Right. So if you're on the street and someone's smoking on the balcony, you shouldn't have any smoke. And furthermore, people, if you're outside, this, first of all, cigar smoke, secondhand cigar smoke's not going to hurt you anyway. You get more smoke in your lungs sitting around a campfire than you do from a cigar. But if you're outside, especially on the street like this, it, it, just because you can smell it doesn't mean you automatically get cancer. Chill the out. And here's the thing. They talk about, the, you know, Dennis Prager spoke about this the other night. People talking about secondhand smoke, secondhand smoke. Do you know anybody that's ever died of secondhand that, smoke? That's, that's always, anytime the topic comes up, my, my only response is always, show me a single birth certificate or death certificate from the U.S. that lists secondhand smoke as the cause of death. If you knew somebody that died of secondhand smoke, because if the statistics bear out, we should all know, you know, leukemia. We know it's real because we all know somebody's had leukemia. Right. HIV, same situation. 
All of these things that you see come out, oh, yeah, I know somebody that had that. Never, ever anybody I know that's had secondhand smoke issues. Right. And, I'll, and the, my family was raised with roll the windows, the, the windows rolled up smoking cigarettes one after the other. Right. And I'll, actually, Prager's best joke that night was he said, I'm fixing to start jarring and selling jars of Dennis Prager's secondhand smoke. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And I was, I was thinking, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> hey, well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should blow smoke in jars. Hey, is there a market out there? Would anybody like to purchase a, a jar of Trey and Shane's secondhand smoke? We are not nearly smoke? as famous as Dennis Prager. I don't think we can pull that off. I, I think my secondhand smoke would make you smarter. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but um, just, to, just you know, people complain about this. These are the people that buy a house on the golf course and complain when the golf balls are hitting their yard. Right. Now, okay, be a respectful golfer. If my golf ball goes into somebody's yard, I either leave it there. If there's a sign that says, please don't come in the yard, I leave it there, or I go pick it up. I will never go hit my ball and leave a divot in the back of somebody's yard. Right. That's respect. And and if you don't want me to go in the back, if I can see my brand-new Callaway ball, especially if you happen to live on the right side of the fairway, if I can see my brand new ball, I'm going to walk over there and pick it up, assuming I don't have, and I'm not going to step on any of your flowers. I'm not going to disturb any of your grass, anything like that. But I'm not going to go back there and try to hit it. Right. I'm just going to take my stroke like a gentleman. And all, but the, these are the people that complain about that. Now, this next article may not fall into the what's the rest of your life like category, because I think you could argue both, hair, both sides of this. Million, this is from the DailyMail.com. I thought we weren't going to do this one. Yeah, we said we was going to do this one. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Well, we started it now. It's too late to pull out. Millionaire couple. Story lo- of my life. <laughs> Millionaire couple loses a hundred thousand pound court fight after. That's a pound sign, ain't it? Yes. Okay. Court fight after accusing their U.S. business tycoon tenants. I, I love the slant on this article. The business tycoon tenants. That's a Daily Mail for you. Of ruining their soft furnishings with the smell of his cigars. Okay, so this dude, um, Nick Bokes, and his husband, Harold Dinker, uh, faced off in court, and they said, so they, he was paying a 50,000 pound a year for a basement flat, and he smoked in it, and they said he ruined the furnishings in this, and left his $10,000 or 10,000 pound rug infested with moths and snails. So I've got a couple problems with this. Number one is... It says later in the article that the the owners of the property lived in the house above this basement flat. So if he was smoking in there, they would have known about it. Like, this would not have been an issue to only come up after they moved out. Well, and okay, I've looked at a lot of cigar recipes. I've never seen escargot. No. (laughs) As part of that, how did they get snails in the rug? I mean, it's a basement flat. I assume the snails occur naturally. Yes, that's exactly. Moths and snails in a basement is far less rare than moths and snails in a cigar. But they took them to to court and sued them and lost lost their, um, their case on this. And I think when you rent, you don't rent a top-notch flat with top-notch furniture in there. You, anybody that's ever ran rental properties know renters systematically destroy houses. You, you never care for anything as much that you don't own as you do something you do own. That's just the laws of human nature. And I got to think the technology exists 
to to get the smell out of the the Victorian sofa. But also, I would I, so fifty thousand pounds a year uh, is roughly forty two hundred dollars or pounds a month, which is what seven thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars a month, something like there. that. Yeah, yeah. If you're paying that, you should be able to smoke in it. And more than that, if you're getting paid that much money for your basement, then you can afford to replace a 10,000-pound rug. And why is your why are your belongings in your tenant space anyway? Why, who puts a 10,000-pound rug in a basement? In, in a basement. <laughs> much know. less one that's being rented. It's just it's very interesting that they um that one they wasted the court's time with this case. If it's me, I just say okay, it is what it is. Well, and I think this is so funny, too, because so this whole thing started over a 6,270-pound deposit that the tenants paid when they moved in that they didn't get returned when they moved out. Okay, that's, you know, well enough. Well, the U.K. has a loser-pays court system, which I really think we should apply here. It would really weed out a lot of these frivolous lawsuits. So... You know, they're basing it on this 10,000-pound rug. Not only were they forced to pay all but 3,000 pounds of the deposit back to the tenants, but then they also had to pay both sides' court costs on top of it. So they really, I mean, it seems like they weren't thinking this through. See, it seems like it was too much effort for what little benefit they could have possibly netted from this. Mm-hmm. And all, But all right, one more article, and we'll wrap it up for the night. Raul Castro steps down. Retirement marks marks the end of a 62-year history of Cuba under the control of Castro. So this is from Aficionado. Um, Not going to spend a lot of time on this. And uh, they're still communist country. Doesn't really change anything in the way of cigars. Um, I I don't know. This seems to me like kind of a nothing burger for our life. Am I I being too jaded? I I think you might be. I think a lot of the Cuban boogeyman syndrome that a lot of Americans have comes from the name Castro. And I think having somebody at the helm who doesn't have that surname will have an an impact on the optics of the situation for a lot of people, at least in this country. Um, So, I mean, I do think, you know, a peaceful transition of power in... In the country of Cuba, you know, really hasn't happened in well, our lifetime. And they're in serious trouble down there. Right. The, the, the pandemic really, really damaged them. Yeah. So I, you know, I think, I, I, th- I think it, it has the potential to be a nothing burger, but I also think this has the potential to be a kind of a, a new way forward. Okay. I'll, I'll take the optimistic viewpoint. It is interesting. I was actually having a conversation last night, um, Pedro, me and Pedro were doing a hand roll event down at Big Boys last night, and I, there happened to be another guy that produces cigars. I'll tell you after the show who he was. That produces cigars there that came and talked to Pedro and I, and I was sitting there talking to him. We were talking about Cuban cigars, and he said, "You know, it's interesting. The amount of cigars coming out of Cuba for the amount of tobacco Cuba could produce is greatly disproportionate." Right. There's some Nicaraguan. Cigar, Nicaraguan oh, yeah. Dominican tobacco going into some Cuban cigars. Yeah, I, well, is the expectation that Cuban cigars are one hundred all Cuban cigars are one hundred percent Cuban tobacco? That would be my expectation if I was purchasing one. 
Yeah, but when you buy Nicaraguan cigars, you don't assume that every bit of the tobacco is Nicaraguan. But I don't, I don't pay for the Nicaraguan mystique. Well, but I think other nations in the world don't pay for the Cuban mystique. You know, they pay for the mystique of the Bahique because it's that good. You know, they pay for, you know, but I think, I think that's a uniquely American cigar smoker thing. Could be, could be, but I think they should disclose it. I don't think they should be telling me they're selling me a Cuban Puro when the filler's Nicaraguan. Now, now that I'll agree with. If they're calling it a Puro, a Puro has a defined, uh, you know, expectation. But, uh, you know, I mean, just think of how boring the, you know, some of our favorite cigars include tobaccos from multiple regions, multiple countries. And so, I mean, think of how boring all, all Cuban cigars would taste the same. I wonder if tomorrow the embargo was lifted and Cuban tobacco could be widely associated and sent to America. I wonder what somebody like A.J. Fernandez and some of the master blenders could do with Cuban cigar as part of their blends, Cuban tobacco as part of their blends. I wonder if it would enhance it or not. That's that's the thing. So let's say tomorrow we wake up and, and you can get Cuban tobacco in this country. I'm going to be less eager to go out and buy a Cuban Bolivar than I am to wait a couple of years and smoke the cigars that the companies I already know, trust, like, and spend money with incorporated into their blends. You know, I think that the only company I believe that would suffer, if tomorrow all Cubans were legal, I think Davidoff would be the only company that would suffer. I think everybody else would pretty much just ride it out. Yeah. And all, but all right, everybody. Well, let's rate the Hooten Young 2020. And I know what it is for me. What is it for you? Five and three quarters? Six? Wow. It's a seven for me. That's a seven. Wow. It's a se- It's just, it's so perfect. It's just so mellow. It's so perfect. It's exactly, it, it's such a utility cigar. You could smoke one at any time. It's so relaxing. I mean, it's a, it's a seven for me. I, I got to say from the first one, and this is now the third one of them I've smoked. It's, it's definitely going to be a seven. Yeah. I, I, I what wish did you not like about it? That's that's the thing. I'm trying to think. Like, I thought about giving it a seven. I really did. Um, it's funny. I can't quite put my finger on it. It didn't blow me away. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and that's why I'll I'll I'll, I'll firmly entrench it in the six in the six category. I, I loved it. It wasn't perfect. I don't know what it could have done to be different, but it wasn't, it didn't just, because when you smoke a seven, you go, God, this is a seven. Like, you know it instantly. And I'll say, so for that reason, I just couldn't, I don't know. Well, the thing it didn't have that I was so glad it didn't have, you know, um, the Don Lajero Triple Lajero is the strongest cigar, Don Gonzalez Triple Lajero. Strongest cigar he makes. Excellent cigar, by the way. We was at the event last night, and I got to meet the people from Big Love Cigars. I'm sorry. I'm going to derail you because I just figured out the answer. It's because I'm not on a clean palate. Oh. So because I had an AJ on the way down here. Oh, okay. That's why. You're, you're smoking that, on a dirty yeah, palate. It's all my fault. I may have to let you take one home, and then you can you can reevaluate. But um, got to meet the people from Big Love Cigars. They just opened in Nashville uh, last, I think, last February he was talking about. Yeah. But we're going to go do a podcast up there with him. But, man, such great people. Yeah. 
and all. There was a listener there, and thank you for coming up and t- saying hi to me. That makes my day. Nobody will ever know how happy that makes me. Um, but just great people. I really, really enjoyed the time I got to spend with them and talk to them for a few minutes there. Of course, I'm. everybody asks if I'm the Don Gonzalez rep and all because I'm there and I'm always. But if Pedro's busy and somebody walks up, I know his catalog very well. Right. So Probably I'm, better than his rep. And as we know, I'm the, the Labrador of the cigar world. Right. I have to go up and make a friend <laughs> and all. But just great stuff. But the Triple Hero starts out a lot pepperier and then mellows out. Yeah. You've really got to get an inch into that cigar to get the very best out of that cigar. And also, just um, that's the one thing the Hooten Young doesn't have. It's very consistent from the first puff to the last. But I like that from time to time. I do, too. I really enjoy it. So, all right. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Facebook.com slash TheCigarCast via email at info at TheCigarCast.com and on Twitter and Instagram at TheCigarCast. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.